0: at MikeCrock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike MikeCrockCiraco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, Mike Crock. Today, we have my friend Shay Sparks in the house. She is the CEO, the Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, LLC, a certified fearless living coach and certified fearless trainer, host of the Power of Investing in People podcast, host of Hey Shay, what do you say? or Hey Shay, what do I say? Facebook live show, author of How to Get Your Voice Back, and co founder of hashtag Firestarters book project. As a business coach, author, podcast host, and speaker, she guides leaders to reignite their fire by taking fearless actions, being intentional with communication, acknowledging their resilience, and being excited about their life and business. Shay, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Thank you.
0: So we always start the show with a question with the podcast's namesake. What are you made of, Shay?
1: Hmm. I love that you ask this question, and I'm just going to have to go with fire. <laughs> And that's an acronym for uh, fearlessness, intentional, resiliency, and excitement.
0: Oh, awesome. I love it. And we're going to dig into that in a minute because I got some questions for you on that. But yeah. give me an idea. Like I, I told you before we got started that I didn't really want to read some of the bio that you sent because I wanted you to get into it mm-hmm. and kind of explain some of the things that you dealt with growing up and then what's made you today. So take us back.
1: take us back. So I grew up on a farm in the middle of the country. And my dad was a fertilizer salesman through the week and a farmer on the weekends. And then he had a sales fertilizer distribution company. So entrepreneur, farmer, you know, are all entrepreneurs. And he was absent. He was not nurturing. He was, you know, he was there to be called dad, but he wasn't there to have a conversation. He wasn't there to talk about your feelings or what was going on. He wasn't even there to go to a game of, you know, of mine to watch or anything like that. I think maybe he went to a dance recital on occasion, but that was about the extent of it. And I grew up just being daddy's little girl until about five years old. And during those, you know probably three to four or five years old, I remember sitting on his lap taking sips of his beer. And it wasn't until I was a teenager. Well, it wasn't even a teenager. I think I was about 11 when I started drinking. And by the time I was 15, I was drinking daily. And thank goodness, thank God, uh, at 16, I got a DUI. And that's kind of what saved my life.
0: So you started early, but you only lasted a year doing it.
1: No, I didn't Uh quit.
0: Okay. Okay. (laughs)
1: So that's the thing that I have to say when you, so what happened was I got a DUI and the next morning I woke up and I said, okay, God, I've messed my life up this much. It's yours. You can have it and do what you want. Now that doesn't mean it's miracle over. Life is different. I live in a different house and that's not like the movies at all. It's a very slow progression. So I continued to drink till I was about 24 and I was with an abusive boyfriend who was also an alcoholic at the time. And he said to me, you do do really stupid things when you're drinking. And then that was it. I never haven't drank again. 24? 24. Yeah. So that was, you know, just a few years ago. No, it was actually 22 years ago that I, so I've been sober for that long.
0: Why did that hit you?
1: I don't know. I think it hit me in a couple of ways. I was worried about what I actually did. And then I now know that he was so good at manipulating that he was actually projecting onto me. So he's the one who was doing stupid things and I became the caretaker. So normally when there's an alcoholic, there's an enabler. And I didn't even know that's the role I was doing until uh, after I got out of that
0: relationship. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And so then from there, what happened from there, as far as your life, how did it change you know, I've talked to a lot of people that have been through that, um, myself included. I went through a phase myself when I was 18 to about 24, 25, where I was like partying every night, like, yeah. you know, until, unless I needed to rest or something, but it was just more of an action junkie kind of thing. Like I needed to be around people. I wanted to go where hang out and, yeah. and I hated sitting at home by myself kind of thing. It wasn't about necessarily getting drunk, but I just ended up drinking while I was doing it or drugging or whatever the case is. But I still can have a drink now and I'm fine. it's not about that for me, but it's still a problem. It still was a problem at that time. but like I've talked to a lot of people that have had issues. How did your life change after that and like what was the biggest differences that you noticed?
1: Well, to be honest, my life really got worse because I was with him and I was taking care of him and always shapes and forms and he was abusive, physically, mentally, verbally. And we were together for 12 years and he was in a car accident and that's how I was able to get out, get free. And within the first week of, as soon as the accident happened, I knew that I needed help. I knew the statistics are that abused, uh, domestic violence victims go back to another situation like that, if not the same person. And I did not wanna be that statistic. So I started counseling with a Christian counselor in the first week and started reading books, two books that changed my life were Boundaries and Women Who Love Too Much. And even though it says women in the title, I think it applies to men as well. If you've been in any kind of situation like that, from there, I really started to ask myself the question of what is it that I don't know that I need to know in order to move forward? Because we always know what we know, but there's a whole lot of area that we don't know that we don't know. Right. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I have to move forward. I'm not going to continue to live in that mindset. And I called it the mediocre mindset but it was um, limiting, right? And I thought, I can't live like that. So what do I, I want to do? What do I want to be? And I just started taking steps out of my comfort zone on a regular basis and thought about literally what it is. What do I want to be? And I remember having a vision when I was a kid in Sunday school about being a, standing on stage speaking to a group of people. And so life just kind of evolved from there. And I was able to really change the way that I spoke to myself. And in return, I was able to change the way I spoke to my family. So one of the things I learned about people who are a domestic violence victim, right? Is one, it's, you have that victim mentality. I did not have that victim mentality because I never called the police. I fought back, so I was afraid I would go to jail too. And so I knew that there was, a disconnect somewhere. And so, one of the books, Women Who Love Too Much, I realized that it was familiar. And so, even though um, I wouldn't necessarily say my family was abusive, it was definitely they had negative traits. And it was both my brothers, my dad, my mom, my, even my grandma. And then he had them all rolled into one to the nth degree, right? But I was able to identify them now outside of that relationship and talk to my family differently so I would say things to my dad like hey I mean I get that you're asking me to do this but are you really asking me to do this are you trying to manipulate me and he's like manipulate like he couldn't even pronounce the word and he said I don't even know what that means and my mom she was very sarcastic and so when I would say things to her, or when she would say things to me, I would say, so mom, I hear that you're being sarcastic. Sarcasm is anger in a clown suit. So are you, who are you really angry at? And yeah, it was really eye opening to have those conversations for me, but also for them, because we just started to change our whole.
0: Can you give me an example of like, with the conversation with your dad, and he would be asking you to do something like, what was it, what specifically like would be an example?
1: Um, gosh, I can't remember now because it's been so long ago, but something to the effect of like, I know you want to take this class. So why don't you come and help me do this? And I was like, okay, but what does that have to do with me taking the class? If you want me to ask you, if you want me to help you, why can't you just ask me to help you?
0: Right, 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 right.
1: Because it didn't have anything to do with what I was doing. It was about what he wanted, but instead of asking for what he wanted or needed, he couldn't do that. He was unprepared to do that.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, you know, it's interesting to me sometimes where, you know, abusive relationships, you know, and you're in the, in the relationship, obviously you love the dude, right? So you love him, but you got to take care of yourself first, right? Before you can help others. Cause you're trying to possibly help him, support him, love him, but you weren't taking care of yourself. You're putting yourself on the back burner and then that doesn't ever work. So, but I guess my question is, you learn to take care of yourself first figure all that out. But then does love still kick in somewhere where like, once you take care of yourself, you go to the person and say, Hey, you know, look, I want to work this out. Still, you need help. And eventually they realize that and it works out. Or how did that work with you? Well,
1: for me, it was, he was in a car accident. He had a brain damage. He was in a wheelchair. He lives in a nursing home now.
0: Oh, is that bad? Okay. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. And I learned that there are healthy people who do bad things. And then there are unhealthy people who can't get help, right? It's called borderline personality disorder, I believe. And they don't want help or they'll get help for like a few moments or they'll take medication for a few months and then that's it, they don't want it anymore. So there comes a time where you have to really be able to guess is the best word I can explain it. Guess what that person is. And if that person is worthy of you being, trying to make it work, because I tried to make it work for 12 years. And that it didn't work. Well, you seem like a hard head, Shay. Four, <laughs> 12 years.
0: You I am. You don't give up, do you? <laughs> no, it's,
1: that's that resiliency, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, so, you know, the funny thing about this, I, I, I do a lot of studying on help and how to get people, get through to people, get them really interested in what you're saying to them and, and that you're trying to help them. And through my research, I've found out that really people, one, think help is a bad thing. They make some weak to ask for help or they think help means something totally different than the actual word, what it actually means. And so when you ask to help them, they get like turned off by it or they get offended by it or what have you. And so I think that really, if you can get through to people to make them understand or have them understand help is a good thing, Help does not make you weak. Help is actually a, a great trait to ask for help and it makes you stronger. But I think we skip that step a lot of times when we're trying to help them and we go into controlling them or trying to communicate to them things that they can do to help themselves. But we haven't gotten past that first step first. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. And that's where codependency comes in because you're so focused on them and fixing and controlling them. You said the right word control, and it has nothing to do with getting your own needs met first. You're yeah. always just trying to work on them. But yeah, it's a weird cycle that keeps going.
0: Yeah. And so when you look at this control too, that would be the next thing you need to do. Anytime you need to get help, you need to be controlled and allow somebody to control you because you don't obviously know what you're doing and you need to learn, learn to not try to control things that you're not supposed to be controlling, but control itself. The word is not a bad word. It doesn't ever mean a bad thing. It's what you're trying to control and what you're not trying to control. And the thing that that's the thing that's bad. It's not the word control. It's not the word help, right? right? And people get this all mixed up. And that's why when I was younger, my, my stepfather taught me to look up definitions of things and told me why it was so important to do that. And, uh, you know, I think that if people really look at those kind of things, and then the people that are like us that are trying to help people. We need to understand that ourselves to be able to get through to people. Because, right. you know, I don't know if you've experienced this, but one of the things in coaching and leading and all that, I banged my head against the wall so many times in the past was I'd have the answer right in front of the people for them. I had the answer for you. I know it'll work. You just got to do it. You got to listen to me. And they just refuse. And I was missing those first couple of buttons. So do you experience that too? when you had the answer for someone and they just don't listen and you just like frustrate yourself?
1: Yes. And I used, before I actually went through my certification program, that's what I was doing through my coaching business. And I was like, okay, so how can I figure this out that they're not, doing what I I need them to do in order to get their success. Right. And so I went through this coaching program and they really showed us how, if you're giving them advice or telling them what to do, then you're a consultant. If you're asking them a question, empowering them, then you're a coach. So for me, that whole, just that, phrase just switched everything. So I started, I learned that I have no control over what another person does and be really able to ask the right question. And then when you ask the right question, then they'll find the empowerment for themselves in order for them to take the action. Yeah. But like you said, when you're telling someone, that's where the control is technically, you know, it's unhealthy. And that's where fear comes in. So fear is actually, or control shows up as fear. So depending on what you want, we can control the controllables. And there's a whole lot of uncontrollables we can't control. I mean, we saw 2020 in that, you know, over and over again. And that's important for me to really separate the two. What is it that I can control? And what is it that I can't control? And what is it that this person can do the same thing and explain that to them? Then that's when they were like, oh, okay. It's not about you telling me what to do because how many times do you tell someone to do, or how many times were you told what to do? And you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I know right. I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. obviously, I was in an abusive relationship, right? People told me what to do. Get out. No. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to make it work. I'm going to show you. Yeah.
0: I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's Mike, C-R-O-C.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. So talk to me about FIRE. Let's go through FIRE.
1: Yeah, so FIRE stands for fearless, intentional, resilient, and excited. And what I... That's who I am. Part of the fearless living program that I went through for my coaching was a complete fluke that I even found out about it because beforehand I had been taking steps out of my comfort zone on a regular basis. And what led me to do that is because I realized I was afraid to be vulnerable. I was afraid to share my feelings. I was afraid to even let anyone know that I didn't have it all together. I was afraid to even, not necessarily go do physical things, but I was afraid to like, be the first one to talk to you. I would always wait for someone to talk to me or I would make an, 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 some sort of a uh, scene, not really a scene, but you know, some sort of issue where I had to talk to that person. Yeah. So, and all the things that I've done, I've pitched an idea at Startup Weekend. I've took Krav Maga, in, uh, for, I trained in Krav Maga for a year taken yoga and gosh, what else have I done? I went to the country music awards in Nashville, you know, just all kinds of fun, different things by myself. (laughs) And that's what I think is really built up that fearlessness. Yeah. The intentional was really coming from the communication part that I really learned from with my family was you have to ask for what you need and you have to be willing to Say what you need and be okay if they don't, if they can't accept that, if the other person can't accept it.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, And then resilience. I mean, you've heard about the abuse and the addiction, but I had anger issues. I didn't realize that was part of the reason I was drinking, was because of the anger that I had towards my dad, the depression that I had set in. I had uh, broke my knee when I was in seventh grade. There was a lot of pain. I was suicidal because of the pain. So it was so much. So it's abuse, addiction, anger, depression, low self-worth. I was a bully and I had been bullied and I didn't realize any of that until I got out of that relationship. And I look back and I'm like, man, those, you know, the middle school age,
0: I was a bully. Now, when you were drinking and all, didn't you get sick of feeling the way it makes you feel the next day? Like, that's what one of the reasons too, like I stopped as well just cause like, I didn't, dude, I didn't want to waste days and I didn't feel like Laying around and feeling like that, it's like, oh, you know. No,
1: yes, and I think that's why I started drinking daily was to get rid of that feeling.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then get back on the the hair of
1: the dog, right? And that that'll stop everything. I mean, I know that's such a sick thing to to say, but that's what I did as a teenager.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: yes, did I hate feeling that way? Yes, but I hated feeling the way I felt without it.
0: Yeah, and you know, like what goes through my head is nowadays, as I'm older, you're either building or tearing down, one way or the other. All the decisions you make, you're either going towards what you want or away from it. So whatever you think, say, and do is either doing one of those two things, and it makes your life a lot easier to run that way to be successful because you have a decision to make towards it or away. It's not real complicated. Right. Now, the resilience thing I got to talk to you about because I'm a believer that resiliency is not a strong enough word for what we try to do.
1: That's Very
0: true. Because very if you true. look at the definition, it talks about just getting you back to original form after something, right? Who wants to be in that original form? They like So that's where this rocket fuel concept that I talked to you about comes from. Resiliency is yeah. definitely not a strong enough word for anyone. I don't let people get away with it. So we're going to have to make change your R to rocket fuel.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> from now on, you got to remember that and, and I'm giving you permission because resiliency, it is good to get back better than staying put, but Why just shoot for just getting back there? That's not good enough. Like that, You're never going to get back to that original form if you just aim for that original form. And so uh, that's been the lesson in my life to make sure that, look, I'm going to go for really, really high in space, like way out there and make sure I get to where I originally really wanted to and pass. So, all right. So then the E in fire.
1: Excitement. So I had realized that I spent so much of my life unhappy and depressed. And it wasn't until all of this came to a head, literally after his car accident, when I'm 34 at the time, and I went, wow, I've been waiting to die my entire life. Like, I wasn't worried. I was worried about the tombstone. I was worried about the date, like, It's just any time now, because I was also, you know, he had held guns to my head at one point. So literally, what did I have to live for? And I thought, okay, so how can I be excited about my life? And by doing all these things that I have tried, it's been majorly exciting. However, being a coach and helping other people succeed is even more excited. So I always say, let me help you get excited about your life and your business.
0: And how do you measure your impact or results when you're coaching for your clients, what is your main measurement or how do you, how do you tell if you're advancing for them or helping them or.
1: At the end of every session, I ask the question, what's one thing that you took away from today's session. And most of the time they just don't have one. Um, they have multiple things and they're like, oh my gosh, I had this aha moment. And then the next time we meet, they're like, you know, I'm like, so what, you know, what's been going on since we'd last talked. And they have a laundry list of things that have shifted for them. Yeah. And that again is like, okay, I'm excited because they're excited because they see growth in their life and transformation rather than it's like, okay, I'm just checking in. I'm just checking the box. Right. right, right. They're actually putting in the work and doing the work.
0: Yeah. Because in business, when I'm doing business coaching things, we have uh, KPIs that we can look at to see, make sure that we have our graphs are going up. Right. When you're dealing with like life coaching and things like that, I wasn't really sure the best way to measure it besides just their feedback. And I guess that's what you can, how they're feeling when you're talking to them, the feedback that you get, I guess.
1: And how their life changes, right? So yep. their business is going to change because they're yep. happier, right? Yep. And their relationships with their family, their coworkers, their employees, they're going to change. Maybe it's their, maybe in the military, maybe it's their unit is going to change.
0: hmm yeah. Love it. All right. So talk to us about uh, your podcast, because I know I was on it. I know what it's about, but to share with my audience about the power of investing in people podcast.
1: Yeah. So I got the idea out of uh, a entrepreneur conference that I went to where there were several investors like waiting to invest in people's ideas. And on Saturday night, they were like, and here's the $40,000 pitch to the next step. Right. And all, everybody was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And I'm looking around the room and I'm thinking, so what if there was someone who invested in the person and the product could change because product is a product, right? But mm-hmm. if the person, most entrepreneurs, it's their baby, right? That product is the baby. So what if you figure out how to, to shift their baby, their product into something else that they could be passionate about and you invested in them, how, what would that look like? And so that's where the name came from was the power of investing in people. And so what I do is I interview amazing leaders like yourself oh, on Lord, how Lord. they have, <laughs> how they have impacted people. Right. Cause I have found just like you what you have been talking about before, when you invest in yourself first, it automatically overflows onto your life, your business, your family.
0: Yeah. I love it. And how long have you been doing that?
1: Two and a half years now. Wow.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I'm on i I'm on a year, year and I don't know, three months and it seems like forever. So <laughs>
1: Oh, it, it doesn't even seem that long to me. I just love it so much. And actually I'm so glad that you were on the show. So um, yeah, it's just going to keep getting better. Right.
0: How many, how many episodes do you do a week or how do you do that?
1: I record a couple of recordings a week and then I send it off to my producer and he takes care of everything. And then I just kind of load it all in. Do you release Um, like
0: once a week or.
1: Yeah. It comes out every Friday and then. Yeah. And actually, I think yours is coming up pretty soon.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, I started yeah. mine and I started saying yes to everybody. And I got so many in the can and I was only releasing one a week, but I was doing podcasts every day because I was really leaning into it because I wanted to get good at it. Yeah. I'm not even there where I want to be still, even to this day, but I just wanted to get good at it. I wanted to feel comfortable. I didn't want to be saying, uh, uh, you know, all the time and I wanted to also bring great guests on and be able to provide a platform for people to share. But they could look back on episodes and see, okay, this guy's done what he's done. So I was really trying to just jam. yeah. And I went hard at it and uh, had, man, I was so far behind. So then we started releasing two a week. Mm. And so just, just recently they started catching up to me. My production team started catching up to me and I'm like, oh dude, slow down, slow down. Look, let's get back to one a week. Let's get back to <laughs> one a week. We can always go to two, back to one a week. So yeah, because I just felt bad. People were in the can and I wasn't getting them out in, for months, you know? Right. And uh, so, yeah, but that was, that's cool. Well, Shay, how can my audience get in touch with you and engage with you further?
1: Yeah, they can uh, go to my website at shaysparks.com. That's S-H-A-S-P-A-R-K-S dot com. And uh, all my social media links are there, but you can go to any social media links and including Clubhouse now at Shay Sparks. So you can find me anywhere, send me a message, Instagram, whatever. would love to connect.
0: Guys, go engage with Shay. Check her out on Clubhouse, Instagram, on her uh, website. Let her know that you heard her here. And Shay, as we wrap up the show, the last question i like to ask is, what does the rocket fuel law that I came up with, what does that mean to you and what does it meant to you in your life?
1: For me, it just means all the obstacles that I've overcome to use it at, to propel, to propel me forward into where God's going to take me.
0: I love it. And also just throw in there too, for the future, proactively knowing that nothing's going to stop you yeah. anything that comes your way you're looking for gas stations right yeah so Definitely. thank you so much yeah. for coming on the show Shay. i appreciate it i appreciate the relationship we have now i'm looking forward to developing that and uh possibly working with you in some projects in the future and guys you have been listening to the what are you made up podcast with your boy mike c rock thank you so much for listening go get that rocket fuel book at mike c forward slash book mike c with no k.com forward slash book and go subscribe to the YouTube channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Until next time, guys, be good. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikesirock, with Nok.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike MikeCRockScirocco.com. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.